It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are locked on the Washington football team with the Locked On Washington football team podcast. I am David Harrison, Washington football team writer for SI.com's Fan Nation. He is Chris Russell, one half of the Russell and Medher show on the Team 980 Monday through Friday from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern on and on the Odyssey app. We thank you for making the Locked On Washington football team podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms and on Twitter at WrestleMania621, at DHarrison82, and at Locked. WFT pod this episode of locked on watch football team podcast brought to you by McDonald's proudly serving communities since 1965 McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty affordable food it's an unofficial community center a big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there I'm loving it thank you again Washington football team fans for making this show your first listen every day today we're going to talk about some injury updates we're going to talk about Jack Del Rio's coaching future just a little bit we're going to field some voicemails from Washington football team fans and then we're going to make our final predictions, bowl predictions, key to the game, and score prediction for this weekend's matchup between your Washington football team and the Denver Broncos. Well, let's kick things off, Chris, with Jack Del Rio taking a page out of uh, Mike Tomlin's book there in, in, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So what kind of page did he take? Because we know they're both defensive minds. Are we getting a Pittsburgh Steelers defense here in Washington? Well, uh, I don't I don't think so, number one. <laughs> you know, I, I think this was Jack's coy way of saying, you don't think I'm actually going to tell you guys that I'm interested in leaving the Washington football team to become the next USC head coach, right? You don't think I'm that dumb. You don't think I'm going to say that. Oh, wait, what did Mike Tomlin say earlier this week? I'm going to channel my inner Mike Tomlin. Uh, Mike's beautiful is what he said. Uh, wow. So I found this to be really interesting. Um, you know, I, l- listen, I, I, I would just say this. Of course, Jack Del Rio should be interested. And I'm sure privately he is very interested mm-hmm. in the USC job. Who wouldn't be if you're a defensive coordinator in college football or a coordinator at any level in college football, or even if you're an offensive or defensive coordinator uh, in the NFL. Now, maybe if you're an NFL head coach, unless right. you're about to get fired, maybe you wouldn't be interested in the USC job. I don't know. But if you're a defensive coordinator with head coaching experience and Southern California roots like Jack Del Rio has, why wouldn't you, David? I, I mean, he, you know, he, he said it as much uh, a couple of years ago when he was working for ESPN that he would have an interest in a job like that. Uh, why wouldn't you have interest in a job like that? And and here's yeah. one thing that I'll add, you know, depending on who you talk to, there's always been some hints. I'll, I'll put it this way. So I don't get myself in trouble. There's always been some hint <laughs> that maybe Jack Del Rio and, and Ron Rivera are, you know, they're professional and and they're right. trying their best, but maybe they're not buddy buddy chummy chummy like some head coaches and coordinators are. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Uh, and, and that you know, again, it doesn't mean that you can't work together, but it's just something to kind of keep an eye on, especially as this season possibly spirals out of control. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, from coaching, from a professional standpoint, you know, you don't have to love each other. You just got to work together. And that's, that's kind of the key thing, but you know what, if you can love each other and work together, that would be great too. And uh, you know, Jack Del Rio gets an opportunity to go back to Southern California, like you mentioned, uh, and that's what we're talking about here. For for those who haven't been quite aware, uh, Mike Tomlin first, you know, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, tied to in rumor speculation to possibly the USC uh, head coaching job. And he, when he was asked about it, literally kind of laughed about it and said, "Why would I do? Why would I do something like that?" Jack Del Rio uh, was then asked about it and connected to it again through rumor and speculation. And like Chris said, kind of a, a non-answer, circumlocution is what we call it, right? Uh, answered it without answering it. And, and, of, and of course that's, that's the best, even if, yeah. even if Jack wants to do it, like you said, you're not going to sit up there, especially ahead of a week eight game and say, yeah, I would absolutely leave this defense, leave the Washington football team and go take that job as soon as it's available. Like that's, that's just career suicide. And honestly, even if USC wants him as a head coach, they don't want him up there saying that in public either, because again, it's all about, you know, especially when you're in college, it's all about brand representation. You don't want to come off as a disloyal person uh, and all that stuff. So, you know, it, and, it, it, and, and remember, he's an he, he's an alum of USC right. too. So he's yeah. not like I, I mean, again, like th- there's all the connections in the world, right? But yeah. but you know, it you don't want to put your alma mater in a bad spot, and you don't yeah. want to put your current employer in a bad right. spot. That yeah. you know, I, I mean, we know he he again. If Jack Del Rio wasn't interested, I'd be wondering what the hell's going on here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, honestly, and any you know, even if you're a Jack Del Rio fan or a Washington football team fan, like. I don't know. You should be happy. Like if your defense coordinator gets a head coaching opportunity like that one, you should be happy for him. I mean, that's, that's the human, you know, the human aspect of these things. Right. But, um, and if, and if look, if there is a, a hidden benefit in that to where, you know, maybe Ron brings in or brings up, you know, a guy that he gets along with better and they see more eye to eye on schemes and, and ideas and all that stuff, then, then, you know, more power to him. So obviously that's not a story that's going to go away right away. That'll be something that we talk about. I'm sure later here in the year. And then of course, as the college football season comes to a wrap, That'll be something else that gets brought back up as well as somebody's somebody's going to take that job, whether it's Jack Del Rio, Mike Tomlin, or I don't know, Lane Kiffin. Somebody's going to take that job. But uh, Chris, we've got a game coming up. And on Thursdays, as we're recording this, there's an injury report that comes out. The official injury report has not come out. We were talking about this before recording. That's kind of the frustration of playing a team that's in a different time zone uh, towards the West. There is the injury reports get a little bit delayed. Sometimes that's what we're dealing with. But your friend, and someone that I've come to appreciate following on Twitter recently, John Kime of ESPN. I used his injury report yesterday. We're going to use it again today. Not practicing according to, again, John Kime of ESPN. Deami Brown, Sam Cosme, and Curtis Samuel limited in practice on Thursday. Antonio Gibson, William Jackson the third, Brandon Scherf, Wes Schweitzer, and Cam Sims. Full practices. John tweeted everybody else, which would be Terry McLaurin, Ricky Seals-Jones, right. Danny Johnson, Jay Sternberger. Not listed here, and I know it's – you know, I don't know how much people should be maybe hoping for it is Logan Thomas. Do you have any other insight on Logan Thomas? Do you have any expectation that he will be playing on Sunday? Because I, you know, throughout now, I'm not the only one, but there's a bye week next week. So if he doesn't play against Denver, he essentially gets right. two more weeks to heal. And again, there's no rush to take him off IR if he's not ready at all. Exactly. And I think that's kind of the situation here. I mean, you know, I, I think with a guy like Logan, they would, you know, if he was ready to go and ready to practice, you know, they would, they, you know, they would have him out there trying to ramp him up. But uh, as you mentioned with the bye week, get him ready, you know, in all likelihood for Tampa. I mean, uh, you know, just the opposite. Now he wasn't on IR, but you know, Brandon Sheriff wasn't on IR. He's missed the last several games. I think it's the last two games. If memory serves me, 
Uh, correct, David. Um, and, and Ron said, you know, earlier in the week that he might be ready to go on Wednesday, might be able to play on, on Sunday. And, and, and Brandon Sheriff has been limited, as you mentioned, the last two days, whereas Logan Thomas, he was like, you know, oh, he's coming along. But there was no, hey, we hope to have him back out there on Wednesday or Thursday. or We hope to have him play uh, this week. So, again, I, I, I mean, you can never say never, but I'd be very, very, very surprised if um, if, if that happens and more. <clears throat> excuse me, you get him, you know, that extra time and ready for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And as we talked about earlier this week, I mean, it doesn't look like Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be even close to ready for that Tampa Bay game out of the bye. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it looks like, you know, for at least the next two games, um, that Taylor Heineke is the starting quarterback, provided that he doesn't, you know, completely struggle on Sunday in Denver. And again, you're trying to get as many guys through to this bye week uh, and then get them that extra rest, uh, you know, a week and a half off their feet, essentially. So that hopefully some of these, you know, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, nagging type injuries can freshen up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, trade deadline is Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. You never know, especially heading into a bye week. Uh, heading into a bye week is the perfect time to trade for a guy because you get all the time, and well, not all the time in the world, but the most time in the season to get them ready for your next contest to maybe get them spun up. And, and Chris, I'll tell you what, asking you shall receive literally refreshed the injury report website as you were talking, and we have the Denver Broncos Thursday injury reports. Von Miller and Mike Purcell, both uh, defenders, defensive lineman, Mike Purcell, linebacker, of course, Von Miller and safety Jamar Johnson not practicing for the Denver Broncos, Malik Reed is a limited participant. Everybody else on the list is practicing in full, which means they're going mm-hmm. to play. I don't think we need to run those down for Washington football team fans. But obviously the big name there is Von Miller. How much right now as we speak, and we're going to get to this here in a minute, the Washington football team are three-point underdogs. And they we usually say having home field, which of course this game is in Denver, gives you a field goal. So essentially what the, what the betting lines are saying is this is an even matchup. How much does Von Miller not playing if he doesn't practice Friday? Because DNP Wednesday, DNP Thursday, right. he's Von Miller. So he could limited practice on Friday and still come out there and, and be a problem on Sunday. But, I mean, I think the, the vibe around Denver is there's a real, a real possibility Von Miller doesn't play this game. How big of an impact does that make on this, on this contest? Well, it makes a huge impact because you have no Bradley Chubb already. He's on IR. He's their other really good pass rusher. They're so thin at linebacker, and they play a 3-4, and obviously Vaughn's a stand-up outside linebacker. Um, you know, they're so thin at linebacker that they had to go out and acquire a kid from uh, Kenny Young from the Los Angeles Rams this week, yeah. and he's probably going to play this week, much like Green Bay went out and got Whitney Merciless from Houston the week, be- you know, leading up to the Washington game, and, he, you know, he played a little bit of a role, right? That's how thin they are. Now, you know, I was talking to uh, my, my pal Ryan O'Halloran, who's covered the Broncos the last couple of years uh, mm-hmm. from the Denver Post, and I, I know Ryan because he used to cover the Washington Redskins, you know, so he was telling me, Look, uh, you know, maybe they go to a four more of a four three front because they're so thin at linebacker. And again, even if Von Miller plays, what is he going to give you? 20, 25 snaps? You know, he certainly can't play a full boat. And maybe he gets, you know, maybe it gets re-aggravated. Maybe he has to leave. Maybe he doesn't play at all. Maybe he plays more than anybody's thinking, but that was some of the thought process. Uh, perhaps again going to more of a four-man front uh, and or that Vaughn might be able to play this game in a limited role without even practice. You you said, well, maybe on Friday, you know, limited, maybe he doesn't practice and maybe he's not ruled out. Maybe he's ruled questionable. And yeah. again, he wakes up Sunday morning and he goes through pregame warmups and he gives them a little something. 
Yeah. I mean, hey, look, we've seen the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have done that with Jason Pierre-Paul. They did it for like the last two months of the season last year uh, and helped them win a Super Bowl that way. So veteran players, especially guys who are established, like guys like Von Miller, it's always tricky because, like you said, he could, he could DNP on Friday and still show up Sunday and, and play against Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team. But whether Von Miller is there, whether anybody else is there, whether Curtis Samuel ever steps on the field again, something you can always rely on to be there for you when you need them. Our McDonald's, our friends, and this episode, of course, of the Locked on Watch football team is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving community since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come recharge and feel comfortable. Chris, we've got a road trip coming up during the bye week uh, that my family is going to be taking, and my kids are already planning the meal because, like I said on a previous episode, our first lunch on any road trip is McDonald's. They're already talking about what they're going to order and how they're going to keep from getting milkshakes on dad's leather seats because they don't want to get in trouble. We're going to head to McDonald's, and hopefully you head to McDonald's as well the next time you need to reconnect, recharge. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life, homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Washington football team podcast your first listen each and every day. You know, we've got you covered on all things Washington football team, but the trade deadline right around the corner. Don't miss our live NFL trade deadline show. Reaction to every move, plus a second half season preview and much more. Catch the show live from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern time on November the 2nd. That's this Tuesday on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. David, you mentioned you're going on a road trip for the bye week coming up next week. I'm going on a road trip as well to Canton, Ohio to see my kids. Um, Anything to get away from this mess of a football team. And certainly (laughs) the frustration is very real. And let's check the voicemail line. And I know there's lots of frustration uh, there. Why don't we kick it off with Big Mac in South Carolina? Chris, David, this is Big Mac in South Carolina. Hey, give me a call because I think Taylor Heineke did everything he could possibly do to win that game. Also, I'm having a problem with Scott Turner. We have the, the availability to have a five-wide position being called on offense, and I'm not quite sure on why we don't line both line back, both running backs up and spread them out wide when you get down into the red zone. It doesn't make sense to me. Give me your takeaways. Thanks. All right, Big Mac, we appreciate your call and how ironic, right? We were just talking about McDonald's (laughs) and Big Mac in South Carolina, huh? Amazing how that works out like that. Um, 
You know, I, I think it's an interesting concept, right? I, I think in, in compressed space, David, especially when you're struggling, you want to do some things differently, right? Like I think we talked about last week, maybe a quarterback draw, and we kind of saw one on the disputed knee down, you know, where Taylor dropped back and he took off. Maybe it wasn't like necessarily a design quarterback draw, but I want to see some more of that. I think Big Mac's point of spreading out defense is more, again, in compressed space where you're having trouble scoring certainly has merit. I understand that frustration. The one thing that I would say is this team this year seems to be um, better at run blocking than pass pro, number one. And number two, already missing Cosme, and maybe they get Chair back, but Chair's been out the last two weeks. So when you start taking backs out of the backfield and you don't have your starting tight end, and then you don't have your starting right tackle, and you don't have your starting right guard, be careful about what you want to do from a schematic standpoint no. and from a sexy standpoint, because then you leave yourself very, very, very thin. Yeah, and, and look, you know, I'm going I'm to answer this question, and it's going to probably surprise some people because, listen, I'm not very happy with Scott Turner either. I mean, I, you know, we, we talked about this during the offseason and all the weapons, and at the time we were hopeful that Curtis Samuel was going to be a big part of this offense, and obviously that hasn't come to fruition yet. Uh, and, I, and I mentioned it's really going to come down to how creative Scott Turner can be with this offense and with the weapons. And I've gone as far as to kind of mention, you know, using Antonio Gibson in a little bit of a wide receiver role. I mean, he was a wide receiver in college. He has the experience use him there a little bit, use J.D. McKissick a little bit as more of your traditional uh, running back in that set. Use some motion, get two back sets in there, you know, spread them both out, whatever you need to do. And then my biggest, most recent complaint, obviously, about Scott Turner is uh, the quarterback sneak. You have you have one of the more mobile quarterbacks in the National Football League, you know, not top five, but probably like top 12 mobile quarterbacks uh, in the National Football League. And on a crucial fourth and one, trying to win a game in Lambeau Field instead of using his legs and his athleticism, uh, and again, open the defense, maybe spread it out, get a naked boot going or something. You decide to try to muscle up the middle, which is not your quarterback's strength. But those are those are theology things, right? So as much as I agree with some of the frustrations, here's what I'll say about the expansion of the offense. Uh, Scott Turner didn't game plan his offense for the 2021 NFL season for Taylor Heineke. He planned it for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick has sneaky athleticism, but he's not athletic, right? He's He has sneaky athleticism for a quarterback of his age. He's not athletic. You can't have the bootlegs, all the bootlegs. You can't have all the running plays. You can't do that with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're going to get him killed, and obviously he got injured anyway as it is. But So to, to ask Scott Turner in week two of the 2021 NFL season, in the season, to completely redesign his, his offense for a guy like Taylor Heineke would be unreasonable. And as much as I have some gripes with Scott Turner myself, I don't think we should get that far. So we got to kind of understand a little bit that this offense was not designed for a quarterback that really is on, yeah, at his best on his on, on the run. It was designed for a quarterback that is good in the pocket, also good on the run, but emphasize the passing more than the running. And so that's what you're seeing a little bit. But I think we are seeing a little bit of a turn to Scott Turner, accepting, if not supporting the athleticism of Taylor Heineke. Hopefully we see more of that uh, against Denver. So good question there, but I do want to make sure that we keep a little bit of perspective on what these coordinators are dealing with. Cause it's not all hate guys. Like we, we can't just go all hate on Scott Turner and Jeff over here. That's not fair. That's not fair to those guys in the job that they're doing. Cause believe me, it's, it's not an easy job. Um, but we understand the frustration. We got more frustration, Chris coming from Washington football team fan base. And, and we're going to hear uh, now from Ryan. Hey guys, uh, it's Ryan. Uh, for some leaving a voicemail. Look, I, I'm just going to say, you know, I saw improvements in the green Bay game, but like, 
you know, I feel like a sucker for getting a season ticket. Like, I really thought stuff was going to be different this year. Um, I'm young. This is literally – so all I've known is the Snyder era. And it's the first time, you know, I, I, I thought, you know, we got Fitzpatrick. If he doesn't play well, we we have this kid Heineken. Maybe he can do something. We got it coming in the season. Oh, we got a great defense. Oh, you know, like this is the most promising signs that I've seen of this team really ever because we always had injury concerns with RG3, and you just always had a bad feeling that we would never sign Kirk Cousins once we franchised him to a long-term deal. So I was really feeling confident, but, man, I just should have known. I just should have known. Anytime this team gives you hope in the Snyder era, it's false hope. And Rivera, I know you all remember this. I think it was during the summer. He said that there is a dark cloud hanging over this team. And we know what that dark cloud is. It's Dan Snyder. It's, it's, it's not hard to figure out. My question is, like, what was it like? What was it like when we were good? What was it like when we were winning Super Bowls? Because I've never seen that. You know, I've never seen a playoff win. The last time we won a playoff game, I was too young to remember. So, so I, I think I was 05. I was way too young to remember that. All right, guys. Thanks for taking my voicemail. All right, Ryan. We appreciate you getting in, and thanks for the contributions. And I can hear – we can hear the passion, obviously, in your voice and kind of the wonderment, if you will. Um you know, David, I, I would say this. I wasn't living here when they last won a playoff game, I, but I was following the team nationally, doing national talk radio uh, and on 106.7 WJFK then. Uh, so talking to a lot of Redskins fans, and I, I know the passion of this fan base. I mean, obviously, I know many of the members of the Super Bowl champion teams, you know, talk to Doug Williams and, and Joe Theismann on a, you know, occasional basis and, and many others uh, throughout the years. Um, and, and, and again, the fans were so passionate and so into this team that you're almost like, wait a second, how in the world could this happen? But, you know, you see it happening in like a place like Denver and it's only been what, five five years or so since they last won a Super Bowl. Like, things change quickly in this league. Uh, they say the NFL is not for long. Well, not for long means the vintage memories either. Uh, and, and maybe sometimes it means the struggles won't be for long, although in this case, it's been a very, very, very long last, uh, what, 28 years or whatever it is, and 22 years under the ownership of Dan Snyder. And, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to say I feel like it's going to turn around. And, and, yes, I did buy maybe a little bit into the Kool-Aid that, you know, this program was heading in the right direction. And maybe it ultimately still will. Maybe we'll feel differently nine games or so from now. It doesn't feel like we will, but maybe it will. Yeah. I mean, it, you're right. Things turn on a dime in the National Football League. And, yeah, that last Washington uh, playoff win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, interestingly uh, enough. And, and you know, I go back to the, like the Washington days. I remember like the Art Monks, the Gary Clarks, the Brett Rippon. Like those those were some really great days. I would even a Washington fan, you know what I mean? I, I really didn't have an NFL favorite team at that time, but I can just I just remember watching those great uh, Washington teams back then. But, you know, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because uh, John Gruden, that wasn't his last season as the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I think it was like his second to last uh, season there is the head coach of, of the Bucks, and um, I didn't start covering them right after that or, or during the Gruden era or anything like that. But you know, I was I was kind of watching it from the peripheral and and all those things. And here's what I'll say: it took you know that was the 2005 season, so it took another 15 years 
uh, for, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to get back to the mountaintop. Every Buccaneer fan that I know that was a Bucs fan back then and is a Bucs fan now and got to watch this last Super Bowl 55 win and this team uh, trying to make a push for Super Bowl 56 is incredibly happy that they have stuck through. So it's hard when you're in the forest, but when you get through the trees and you get to the other side and you're in the pasture and you're in the clearing and it's all rainbows and sunshine, it's going to be worth it. So if you're a fan, if you're frustrated, it means you care, which means you're a fan. Just all I can say is stick it out because eventually it's going to be worth it. Um, we got another caller, Amir, and this is his first time calling because he actually left us two voicemails. Amir, we can't play both voicemails, but I will say this. He also echoed frustration with the Dan Snyder era and also kind of labeled Dan Snyder as part of the problem. So, uh, you know, that's that's obviously something that's on the fan of or on the mind of the fan base. And honestly, it's on, it's on the national mind as well. But we do have some more uh, from Amir that we are going to play uh, here in this segment. Hi, guys. My name is uh, Amir Nawabi, and uh, I found I stumbled across your you know, podcast on Spotify on a, a road trip. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed listening to it and your takes, um, especially considering um, one of you guys, you know, do cover the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it's kind of like it makes me feel like you guys, uh, you know, you're a little bit more impartial. Um, so I've been a fan as long as I as long as I can remember. I'm 22 currently, and since at my the start of my fandom, we've never had a, uh, you know, it's obvious we've never had a consistent answer at QB, with exception of you know the short-lived Kirk Cousin situation, and then um, you know RG3 prior to the injury. Um, so I have a two-parted question. One one part of it being. What is your guys' thoughts on that 2018? I think it was 2018, that season that it felt like a QB roller coaster where there was what, five or six quarterbacks? Remember, we signed Mark Sanchez off the streets, Josh Johnson from the XFL, who I think he ended up winning us a game and he looked pretty good that game. Um, and I just remember, you know, thinking, man, when will this team ever be able to find an answer at QB? And then, um, you know, the next year comes along where, or the year after, I think, where we had the, the, the second overall pick. And, you know, as much as Chase Young was a lock and a future Hall of Famer, per what these analysts were saying, and a generational talent, um, according to them, I still thought to myself, whether it be Tua or Herbert or whoever, I thought, you know what, as great as they are, our defense, you know, if we win defense the past two drafts, we need a quarterback. Everyone else might laugh and say, hey, I can't believe you passed up Chase Young, but um, we needed a quarterback. And like I said, hindsight's 2020. So um, I just wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on that. And then the second part, it's more of a statement, not a question, but man, Terry McLaurin has, uh, he was always one of my favorite players, but he has definitely evolved into my favorite player since Santana Moss. Um, the guy just never complains. He never puts his chin down, works hard. His media presence is, he's very, very, he speaks very eloquently. And, um, just, you know, you're a guy with such top 10, top five wide receiver talent and you've never had a good quarterback. It almost reminds me of, you know, DeAndre Hopkins first couple of years at, um, in Houston and he never complains. He, he never throws anybody under the bus. So, um, what is your guys' thoughts on that? And, um, you know, how, how you think he's been able to manage such a, uh, you know, poor situation and, and bad luck through the past, you know, two, three years of his uh, NFL career. Amir, 
thank you very much for the voicemail. We really appreciate it. And thanks for finding us on Spotify. That's just one of the platforms that obviously we're on, but we love hearing from you guys where you find us. We are free and available on all uh, platforms about, listen, the lack of a franchise quarterback. That's in addition to Dan, the number one reason probably why this team has quite honestly stunk for the better part of again, almost the last 30 years since the last, well, really just about the last 30 years since the last Super Bowl championship, that lack of a dynamic guy thought they had it. Robert, obviously they thought they had it at other times as well. They came nowhere close. Um, and, and now they're just kind of trying to figure out and build the rest of the roster around uh, to support that quarterback obviously they'll take a big swing of the pinata uh over the offseason so there's no doubt about that um as far as terry mclaurin goes listen i i you know i think terry's amazing just from the standpoint of when he's healthy he's a top 15 receiver with a terrible situation at quarterback since he's walked in the door i mean he's had i think it's nine different starting quarterbacks in his two and a half years, I, I mean, you just can't ask anymore. I don't think out of Terry. I know he had the touchdown drop in Green Bay last week. I know he's been banged up, but Terry McLaurin is all professional. I mean, he's a team leader. Uh, you know, they have to get a contract extension done as quickly as they possibly can this offseason. That is a cornerstone guy that you want to build around. And I would love to see this offense with something resembling a franchise quarterback and if Curtis Samuel could ever be healthy. Uh, but appreciate the uh, voicemail, Amir. All right, guys, we want you to celebrate the freedom of choice. Built Bar has so many delicious flavors. There's really something for everyone. You talk to a Built Bar fan, David and I are Built Bar fans, as we tell you about all the time. We're passionate about what we love, and we want you to share in that. Whether you're a coconut guy, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, that's David's favorite, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German, and chocolate. I mean, I love a, a bunch of different ones. I've been uh, going through my box of peanut butter uh, and also my birthday cake with sprinkles, little mini Built Bar Bites box, you know? Uh, you can do a lot of different things on Built.com. You get a mix box, mix all the varieties that you want, plus – when you have a built bar, you know that you are getting something good for your body. Soft, easy to chew, 100% covered in chocolate, high in protein, low in calories, low in sugar, low in net carbs, amazing flavor. Order today. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off at built.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, wrapping up this episode, wrapping up the week here at the Locked On Washington Football Team Podcast. David Harrison and Chris Russell on Twitter at dharrison82 at russellmania61 at Pod. We're going to close this out with our key to the game, player of the game, bowl prediction, and score prediction. Chris, why don't I kick it over to you for your key to the game? All right, David, thank you very much. Uh, for me, 
It's very simple. Um, you know, Washington has struggled to, of course, not yield touchdowns on the first opponent's drive, whether it's the first drive or their first possession. It's five touchdowns in seven games, six scores in seven games. To me, obviously, get a stop early. That would help. A three and out would be great. Also, more importantly, um, get an early lead. Don't play from behind. Like, stop digging yourself a hole. And this is part and parcel. Again, getting off the field three and out or without allowing a score. You don't have to give up a touchdown. It's not, the, it's not required by the law to give up a touchdown on the opponent's opening drive. Please get a stop. Please create a turnover. That's only happened once so far this year. And then please take advantage of that and get a lead. Or at least if you're going to give up a score, get you know score on your first possession if you have the first possession of the game. Uh, my point is, is play ahead or at least don't get seven, ten points behind so that Taylor Heineke has to start playing a little bit more reckless and everything has to go right. And also so that the Broncos don't get their running game going. Yeah, absolutely. The Washington football team defense has allowed touchdowns on their opponents first drive in five out of the seven games this season A field goal in the sixth, and then one turnover, like you mentioned in the seventh. So it's a very much a feast or famine situation with this defense on the opening drive for their opponent. Uh, mine, Chris is going to be the same as it was against green Bay Packers, because I think this is a very similar type of matchup, except Denver is lesser is less talented to be quite honest with you, but they it's a very similar style of game and they got to tackle like the, the Denver Broncos are going to take short yard passes. They're going to throw screens. They're going to give it to their running back. If you can tackle, you can get them in third and five, third and six plus, And that plays into the defense's hands. And that potentially gets Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, whoever the quarterback is for the Denver Broncos at the given time off the field, which is what you want. So that Taylor Heineke in this Washington offense can potentially uh, put some things together to do what you're asking them to do and get an early lead, try to, try to play from ahead for once. And that's going to bleed right into my player of the game. And to help them do that is going to be linebacker Cole Holcomb. I think there's going to be chances here, whether it's a tip pass in the line of scrimmage, whether it's a big hit on a, on a screenplay or, or something like that, there are going to be opportunities for Washington to create turnovers. We saw Cole Holcomb uh, force a fumble against New Orleans Saints. I want to see him do it again or get an interception, what have you. I want to see Cole Holcomb get disruptive against his Denver Broncos offense. All right, David, and, and for me, my uh, player of the game, unfortunately, is going to be Javante Williams, the second-round running back out of North Carolina for the Denver Broncos. Uh, Pat Shermer, the offensive coordinator, dad of Kyle Shermer, is on the Washington football practice squad. You know, he, he doesn't like to really run a whole lot. They were down early last week uh, on Thursday night football against, um, against Cleveland, and that took them a little bit out of their running game. But they, they don't like to run the whole ball a lot. They like to be in that three-wide receiver set. They're getting Jerry Judy back in all likelihood uh, this week. But I think that's a perfect opportunity for them to spread out Washington a little bit, force Washington into a lighter box, a little bit more nickel, um, and, and then maybe take advantage with Javante Williams' ability to slash, maybe break some tackles, run with a little bit of power in zone schemes, maybe run to the outside off tackle, all of that stuff. Uh, and of course, the screen game, which I think might be a big part of what Denver tries to do in this game. So unfortunately, I'm going to go with my player of the game, for the opponent, Javante Williams of Denver. And my bold prediction, I'll throw that out you. Uh, along, you know, I just mentioned the screen game and Judy coming back. Uh, maybe this isn't so bold for normal quarterbacks or most quarterbacks, but I say Teddy Bridgewater, 250-plus in this game. Uh, people kind of think this is a bye week or an easy quarterback to take on. Teddy mm. Bridgewater did pretty well week 16 against the Washington football team at FedEx Field last year with the Carolina Panthers. Yes, they had Curtis Samuel, and he was a big part of that. 
but they didn't have Christian McCaffrey in that game. Teddy B can get after it still if you give him time and opportunity. I think Teddy Bridgewater, maybe not so bold, but it's bold for me, 250-plus. Yeah, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is no slouch. Look, as I mentioned, the Denver Broncos not as talented as the Green Bay Packers, but there are a lot of quarterbacks not as talented as Aaron Rodgers, so it's not a huge insult to Teddy Bridgewater. Definitely a capable guy. My bold prediction is going to be a little counterintuitive to what I've been saying uh, so far this season. I think this this could be the game. Landon Collins creates a takeaway, whether it's an interception, whether it's a forced fumble. I think Landon Collins, again, that, that middle part of the defense with this Broncos offense, the way they like to attack, the way they like to use a quick passing game, screen passes, dump offs to the running backs. The linebackers, I feel like, are going to make or break this team for the Washington defense. If they can corral, if they can get to the ball, if they can click and close on a consistent basis, they can do some damage. But at the same time, if they don't or if they fail to contain or if they fail to tackle, they can also do some damage in the opposite direction. So I'm, I'm looking at Cole Holcomb my player of the game, and I'm looking at Landon Collins to create a takeaway for this Washington football team defense, which is going to lead into my score prediction. Again, as of right now, Washington football team underdogs by three points. Chris, this is a winnable game. I said the Green Bay Packers matchup was a winnable game, but I didn't have the confidence that the team was going to get it put together to be able to beat that team. Listen, if you ask me, they should have beat the Saints. They could have beat the, the, the Chiefs, and they could have beat the Green Bay Packers. Which means this team could have been 5-2, and two, as amazing as that is. That's where some of this preseason excitement came from. That's why fan, the fan base was not wrong to get excited. But like I said in the preseason, like we said, Chris, be excited in the preseason because the regular season comes around. You have no idea what might happen. So, unfortunately, this is the path we've gone. I'm going to start trying to speak a little of good mojo into existence. Chris, I've got Washington not only covering the plus three, but going the other way. 24-21 Washington football team beats Denver to go into the bye week with a win. Well, boy, that would be much needed, even though three and five is a major disappointment. Unfortunately, David, I don't. I don't share that same sentiment. I think they'll fight. I think they'll come close. I think they'll have their opportunities. But much like we've seen pretty much all year long, I think it'll be, you know, three or four or five different things that when the end of the day is is complete, 730-ish Sunday night, it'll be a 20-17 to 17 Denver Bronco win. Uh, clearly, Denver is not anything impressive. Uh, this is certainly a winnable game. I'd be very disappointed if they only score 17 points. I don't think this defense is as dominant as some of the numbers would say. Uh, but I think Washington loses this game 20-17 to 17 to drop to 2-6. and six. Thanks for making the Locked On Washington football team podcast your first listen each and every day. Uh, of course, we will be back with a media analysis Sunday night after Washington and Denver. Now make your second listen of the day, the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the NFL analysis, the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available on all platforms. If you want to hop in via the voicemail line, you saw and heard a bunch of new voicemailers. We appreciate you all. 301 615 3577. That's 301-615-3577 or lockwftpod at gmail.com. That's going to do it for us today, Washington football fans. Thanks again for joining us. We are free and available on all platforms for David Harrison covering the Washington football team on SI.com's Fan Nation. I'm Chris Russell, one half of the Russell and Ned Hurst show on the flagship station for the Washington football team, the Team 980 in Washington, D.C., and the Odyssey app. We'll be back again Sunday night after the Washington football team takes on the Denver Broncos right here on the Locked On Washington football team podcast. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.